Welcome everybody, I'm Jared, he's DJ, and this is Number One Bullshit. Welcome back to having our first week of previewing something instead of just talking about shit that we like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a month. <laughs> I know, man. Crazy, right? Since fights. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's been fun recording the other stuff. It's always nice to like take a look back uh, and also a look ahead and and do the kind of fantasize what if I won the lottery kind of stuff. Yeah. And so that was a lot of fun, but I am actually excited to be to have something, <laughs> you know, a light at the end of the tunnel here and getting back to doing uh pre like fight research because before it was just like reviewing old stuff yeah. and so yeah one of the people that stood out as i was doing some research bruno fajeda Ooh, that his fight with phil hawes is not going to last long and yeah phil hawes is super chinny i know you want to highlight bruno bruno mm -hmm. but <laughs> god phil hawes it's like he's so skilled but mm -hmm. so chinny and Bruno hits so hard. <laughs> like so hard. Like my note is literally Bruno hits so hard. What he did to RoboCop was insane. Yeah. I mean, it was just like just straight left crack. And, and that was it. He was absolutely unconscious. Yep. The man carries a ton of power. I mean, fuck, he looks like he carries power. Yeah. Right? Like he is a just a muscled up dude. He's actually kind of built like Phil Hawes a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Fajeda does carry a little extra weight. Like in his last fight against uh, Nursultan Ruzhaboyev, he did not necessarily look cut up or anything like that. It was a, a late notice replacement yeah. uh, with Ruzhaboyev and he got shut off. Yeah, he got I mean, shut back. off. And I don't know how much of it was the punch. Rewatching it, the kick got caught. He got punched, which straight in the face. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But he kind of got like tabletopped and, and like went over and his head bounced off of the canvas so hard as he went down. It was not pretty. Uh, but like Fajeda has 11 professional fights and his longest fight is six minutes and eight seconds. Yeah. So, this, yeah, not anticipating this one lasting long. And then you look at Phil Hawes, who and, you know, his... What does he have? 17 pro fights, 12 have ended by way of knockout, yep. whether whether it was him putting somebody to sleep or him getting slapped. Yep. So, yeah, this this is going to be a quick one, I think. I want to know, though, how does Bruno respond? Because after he shut off RoboCop, it was like, holy shit, we, we got one. We got another middleweight here. Uh, and then he gets first loss of his career, and it's a bad bad one the follow-up shots on the ground he was out and and just getting punched in the head um but yeah i want to know how he responds because if you come in doubting yourself against phil hawes that's not a great place to be in yeah especially because phil hawes is super super skilled it's not like this dude's a slouch it's just i think bruno's gonna find his chin and if that happens i don't I don't anticipate phil hawes like walking through that one i, I don't think anybody does i i don't know anybody barring Phil Haas fans they're like yeah he could take that punch but Bruno's exciting you know I'm gonna say Bruno because I'm not even gonna attempt to say his last name I have problem with ours um, <laughs> yeah it's it's and Bruno does some fun spinning shit it's gonna be a fun fight it's gonna be violent middleweight yes great I, I'm, I'm I'm totally with you on this one I don't go 
I don't I don't see it going on the first round. Like under, yeah. <laughs> under five yeah. minute fight, dude. Yeah, bet yeah. the under on oh, this yeah, one. The sure. uh I mean the last two times we saw we saw Hawes in action, he was getting put to sleep. And now granted, you look at the two people who put him to exactly. sleep. The leads a absolute animal, yeah. used to fight at two oh five, scary human being, and then Ikram, who doesn't look like he carries power, but you watch his fights like touch of death type power. So uh, do want to see how Hawes responds if he fights a little more, uh, you know, defensively responsible, shall we say? Yeah. But yeah, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be a fun, fun fight. And I, I would say, make sure you go to the bathroom beforehand because uh, it's going yeah. to be quick. You're not going to have time. I didn't know if you uh, said I was going to poo myself. <laughs> Yeah, it's so devastating. You're just going to shit your pants when, when you watch what happens. Not, here. not ready for this first yeah, start to have me shitting myself. It'd be a bad way. I mean, a good way to start the year. I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah. like on a personal level, bad. But like, like, oh, God, this car was so dope. I shit. Like, yeah. That's not something to yeah. It's an inside thought. No, no, inside <laughs> thought. Uh, another fighter that I am very excited about, uh, Tom Nolan. And this is going to be at lightweight, taking on Nicholas Mata. You know, I've watched a couple of Nolan's fights and... You know, it took me five minutes. So yeah. he is another quick, quick guy. Six and oh, so he's young coming in, you know, fresh off uh contender series there. But he is four of those six wins have come by way of knockout. And I just another one, like I don't necessarily anticipate this going very long. Um he's huge. He's huge for lightweight. The six, man is six foot three. three. Looks like Corey Sanhagen, kind of like he has a little Corey Sanhagen build. <laughs> a little bit. Six three is insane, man. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, Joel Alvarez. Oh yeah, just yeah, enormous for the weight class. And both fights I watched of him, like he when he touches people, it hurts them. He has fight changing power. It's not always like one and done, you know, completely unconscious. But he touches people and they get hurt. His contender series fight, I mean, look, he dropped. The guy twice, and the fight lasted all of 83 seconds. Yeah. You know, I mean, just real power against Bogdan Grad the, on the Contender Series. His follow-up shot after he dropped him yes. was, ooh, like, find the accuracy. As much as I love a good lead hook to the body, the initial follow-up shot on the ground of being just a clean one gets me going yeah, like that too. left hook and then just like to pounce on them and just kind of look like yeah this is what i'm here for guys it was it was exciting yeah well i mean we'll see what he does sometimes when you sometimes when you're tall like you either have that superpower where like you're tall and lanky and you can get people or people find your chin for some reason right like it's it's very 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 bizarre but no one's finding his chin and putting him out so yeah, not yet. Yeah, exactly. Un undefeated, but right? Now, now he's in the, quote, big league, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's fighting a guy who has four fights in the UFC, right? And no one only has six fights total. Yeah. So big, big experience discrepancy there. And not only that, like, Nicholas Mott has been in there with Jim Miller. Yes. You know, he's he's been in there with just a, like an absolute legend of the sport who's also fighting on this card. We're not going to talk about uh, Miller's fight, but he's fighting Mowgli Benitez, which I'm actually really excited about that. I anticipate us talking about that fight come uh, come next week. Let me let me kind of get off track a little bit. Yep. Wasn't the whole thing like they were trying to get Jim Miller on 300? Are they still trying to do that? Yep. Oh, so he's fighting yeah. now. And then with the anticipation, hopefully he's ready for 300 as well. 
Yeah, Dana White basically said, yeah, he's got a spot. So as long as he comes out of this one, not like requiring what surgery. What a crazy risk to take, though, right? Like, I think he don't give a fuck. I understand, but if I'm Jim Miller, it's like, would I rather be sitting and watching 300 and thinking like I shouldn't have taken that fight? You know, of, of course, if if all goes well, he fights now and fights in April. Mm-hmm. But what if he can't? And it's like, was it worth it? You know, just was it worth it? Yeah, I just. He's the kind of guy, though, where he wants to stay active. Right. Like that's he just loves fighting, and you know his initial thought was he was going to retire at three hundred, and now he's like, "Well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I don't necessarily want to retire." Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, I hope he comes out on like what kind of bullshit would it be if it's like a you know non-contact knee blowout or that's something? That's what I'm saying. Fuck, but that, like, if it happens in training, oh well. But if your goal is 300, and he said, I want to fight on 100, 200, 300, what's the point in taking the risk? I'm not a fighter. I'm not at the end of my career. You know, like. Payday. Yeah, I guess. Payday, right? Like, he's he's a guy who, now granted, as far as their pay structure goes, he's probably making pretty good money just because he's been in the UFC for for so long. But also, if he's planning on retiring soon, why get one paycheck when you can get two kind of thing? Yeah. You know, like he, he's got to, got to put money away before he retires. Yeah, and if true. you're, you know, if you're not a championship caliber guy where you're ever going to get pay-per-view points or it's not like he's a big, I mean, he's like a hardcore fans fighter, yeah, but sure, it's not sure, like sure. he's, you know, the casual fan is going to, he's not going to be on ESPN or in commercials or anything. So like, he's just got to, got to get those paychecks. And, I think. And, and not to harp on this and we'll, we'll go back to, the person we were talking about, Tom Nolan, but I just, I look at it as like at the end of his career, if he misses 300 because of this fight, if he misses it, Mm -hmm. or even if he gets injured, like let's say he he comes out of this fight clean, right? Maybe it's like a little scrap, but whatever. And then he injures himself in training. Then you, you, you play that game. It's like, okay, did this, did the overtraining? It's like when you're looking back on your career, unless you need money. Now, if you need money, this, this conversation is moot. But let's just say, let's just pretend he has money and money's not the determining factor. He just wants to fight. And you miss 300. It's like looking back in your career 20 years from now, it's like, oh, I could have been that guy. I don't know. Weird. But Jim Mir, like you're, like you're saying, he's, he's that guy. He'll fight. He doesn't give a fuck. Cool. I want to see him on 300 just for the, to, to be able to talk about it. You know, it's like a cool yeah. thing to be able to do. Yeah, for him to be on one, two, and three. That's like crazy, yes, that, that is crazy. insane. It would be awesome. But also, I think he's the kind of guy where, like, yeah, it's gonna, it'll be cool if we can do it, but it's, you know, I'm just going to go about my business. It, it seems like he's not the kind of guy to make something bigger than it is. Yeah. You know, just hearing him, hearing him talk in interviews and stuff, he seems like a, a pretty down to earth guy. And, you know, why build this thing up if that's not who you are? Yeah. I don't know. Well, trying to get back on track. Let, let's get back. I know Tom <laughs> Nolan, but let's just jump into this Fareed Basharat. Versus, mm-hmm. how do you say it? Taylor Lapalus is just Lapalus. Yeah, but, but we do real quick need to mention his nickname, Double Impact. And the only reason that I would like to mention that is growing up, huge Jean Claude Van Damme. One hundred percent. Who was it? Yeah, like uh, communist. Uh, <laughs> but so you know that you had your Seagal fans, your Stallone, your Schwarzenegger. Like Van Damme was it for me? Cyborg kickboxer blood, blood sport, sport. Yeah. Yes. yeah i mean heck i was even like i was a little kid so street fighter yeah like, of course all of those were were the shit and double impact double the van dam so definitely have to bring that up and real quick they, <laughs> the taglines for that movie 
are so amazing. Please tell me. For those of you that don't know, Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie plays twins. Yes. So we get double the Van Damme. His brilliant, he shows range, you know, in his (laughs) acting. Is this one with a mullet? No, that was hard target. Gotcha. gotcha the like yeah. greasy, yeah, 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 like yeah. Jerry Curl looking like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was hard target. Um, so there's a couple different taglines here. You had double Van Dam. Awesome. Feel the impact. Nice. <laughs> I really wish it would have been feel the impact, feel the Van Dam. <laughs> awesome. If everything just had something with Van Dam. Gotcha. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, the, the other one is one packs a punch. One packs a piece together, they deliver. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, we're so, going into the double penetration porno version. Yeah. What yeah, in the world is going on? Yeah, it got a little grimy. Um, but had to bring that up. Thank you. Being the huge Van Dam fan uh that I was, did not or still am actually, uh, did not mean to detract, but man, do we have a fight between uh Farid Basharat and double impact Taylor Lapless. Dude, Basharat. So technical, mixes everything together beautifully. Great wrestling, taekwondo. You know, it's got that little taekwondo style, in mm-hmm. and out, very smooth. But you know, Lapless has amazing. I think he's great kickboxing, but his wrestling—that's the thing. His wrestling's not great, but he's pretty elusive and take. And he's got good takedown defense. I don't know how this fight's gonna go. I want to see a stand-up fight, man. I just do. But I think Basharat gets his hands on him, right? Really shows that grappling deficiency yeah. that Lapless has. Yeah, I think so. But I, I am really interested with Lapless because the last guy fought Kalen Lofgren pressure. Yep. You know, not the like, not a world beating grappler, but like that's his style. Make it dirty up against the fence. And for the most part, Lapless was able to stand back up. Yep. When he was taken down and and early in the fight, he wasn't really getting taken down. And so for him to come off of a fight where he's just had to deal with pressure. I think that only helps him, right? Like this is the next step. Now, granted, Barad Basharat, Kalen Lawgren, two totally different fires like Basharat, despite the the six submission wins in his 11 victories (laughs) undefeated. the man can strike. Yeah. He has very clean striking. That's what I'm, that's what I'm interested in. Like, can, is Basha going to try to stand with him? Cause he has that confidence when, when you watch him fight, is he going to stand in front of him? Cause Lablos is an absolute sniper, absolute yeah. sniper. And if he's not like, how is he going to close that distance? Because you're, you're playing with fire. Anytime you're fighting one of these sniper type fighters like you are genuinely playing with fighter or fire trying to step into range and so it's a really good test for both when you look at basharat and his career i mean probably the most skilled guy he's fought so far would have been uh damon blackshear yep and blackshear was what coming off of one week he had fought the week before got the twister and came back and fought again i this is a this is a big step up. Like yeah. Lopolis is is no joke. He had been in the UFC before, was three and one, you know, then came back again, debuted on the re-debuted, rebuted. Yeah, like, don't know what, how to say it. Call that, <laughs> no clue. Yeah. No clue. We'll call it rebuted. And uh <laughs> at, on the France card, and I do just have to say the crowd on that France card 
was nuts. It was one of the better crowds last year that I remember, like that I can pull off the top of my head. The Mexico crowd was awesome too. But yes. France was crazy. Yes. Frank, ooh, the chants that were going on during his fight with Lochran, I mean, the entire crowd singing along, it was. It felt it like a, it felt like a, a football game. Like I remember us talking about that. I was like, it felt like professional soccer, where it was like they are into this, and it was so cool. Because I think I think the France card, and then like a week or two later was a Mexico card. And it's like we just have mm-hmm. these amazing quote international crowds that are just like stepping up. It was awesome. Yeah, and this is like both of them fought on that card. Yeah, right. They've seen each other like up close and personal. It's a from an experience standpoint, a huge step up for Basharat. Yeah. But from a skill standpoint, like this is a big step up for Lopolis too, because Basharat, him and his brother, uh, before, you know, get kicking Victor Henry. <laughs> oh, it's all dick and balls. Uh, <laughs> that like those two guys, they're undefeated, yeah. both at the same weight class, by the way, which is kind of cool. Uh, but those are two of those guys that when they first came into the UFC was like, oh, this is the type of fighter at the lower weight classes that's outside of the UFC. Yep. Like these are two really, really skilled guys. And Boshrat really is that like mixed martial artist. He blends it so well. Everything. Whereas Lopolis is more of that Izzy style of a kickboxer you know, has really, really good stand up and blends it with the takedown defense. He's not trying to do shit off the ground. He's trying to stand back up and, and take your head off. And, and since we didn't say it, oh yeah, this is Bantamweight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Okay. That, that's, no, that says all you need to hear. It's Bantamweight. Yes. And no disrespect to Lopolis's grappling skills, but like his submissions came much earlier uh, in, in his career, not necessarily in the, uh, in the UFC. Yeah. But yeah, bantamweight, right? So both of these guys, skill wise, you have you have to be elite to, to. to even sniff the top fifteen. And yeah, whoever whoever wins this, like maybe they're knocking on the door next. But big big time implications on on this fight. It's the implications. <laughs> yeah, it's about the implications. And we can we can go from this bantamweight fight right into the next bantamweight fight because uh, coming back after a month with no fights, they are spoiling us uh, with some lower weight class fights, and I am very very excited for it. One of the guys that I'm really excited for uh, after his short notice debut that he had last year, Marcus McGee, and both his fights he has looked amazing, both on short notice, and now he's coming coming in taking on uh, Gaston Bolaños, who. If you follow Muay Thai, you know, if you're kind of deep into combat sports as somebody that people have been excited about for a very long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, Muay Thai world champion. That's that's fun. McGee has power. This guy has mm-hmm. stand-up power. This is you want to say you want to say this is going to be on the feet, but Gaston has some grappling holes and McGee's going to have that edge. If I'm McGee. And I'm getting tagged. I'm going for grappling. I'm probably getting you down. Right? Let's let's just be mm-hmm. real. I'm probably going to get you down. Man, just McGee for that for that low like the bantam weight. He just hits so goddamn hard, man. He just hits yes. so fucking hard. It's it's this. I I want the 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 fun in me just wants this to be a stand up fight and see what happens. But mm-hmm. let's be real. Like if 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 I'm standing in front of Gaston and he's He's starting to tag me up. I'm, I'm taking him down. I think 
I think if you see McGee try to get three takedowns, he gets at least one of them, probably two. Right? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe not all three. Maybe in a fresh, you get some. But if he if he attacks takedowns, he's getting them down. Yeah, you you would think so, and and that's what I'm interested to see with McGee's game plan. Like, what is this dude's fight IQ? Yeah, because he's he's never had to go the distance. Uh, he he puts on an insane pace on people, but like with Gaston, you're not gonna be able to take him down right away, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here's a guy who is a he's training mixed martial arts. I get he was a Muay Thai fighter, but you know his takedown defense is going to be at its best. His ability to stand back up is going to be at its best early on. Yep. And so is Marcus McGee going to try to grapple him early on to try to tire him out? Because in Bolaños's UFC debut, he he looked gassed by the, the third round. Sure. Now, granted, he was he was having to grapple. He was throwing a ton of strikes. It's your but debut. He looked tired. It's different. Yeah, the exactly. On exactly. But McGee's never had to go there. Yeah. And so I want to know, is he like, Oh, fuck it. I'm just going to stand with this guy because I get everybody out of there. Or is he going to say, no, we're we're in this for the long haul. Like, I'm going to grapple early. I'm going to try to get this guy tired. And so then round three, I can really take over. That's what I want to say. I know McGee's not, like, young uh, yeah. from an age standpoint, but he doesn't have a ton of fights. He has nine professional fights. And so does he show that kind of mature, should I say, approach to the fight or is it a hey we're gonna go in there and and we are going to to throw uh because they're i mean this fight was supposed to take place last august yeah you know then and that's when uh mcgee had his fight against uh, jp buys bays bays i think uh short notice bolaños uh pulled out and that's both of McGee's fights now have been in the UFC have been short notice. This is the first one where he's been able to have like a real full camp for the same opponent. And it was really it was really fun to watch McGee's two fights leading up to this. Yeah. Because the Journey Newsom fight, his first fight in the UFC on short notice, looked really good, but was basically orthodox or sorry, Southpaw the entire time. Yeah. You know, and then you see his fight against JP and in three minutes he's switching stances. He looks loose. And I don't know if it's a game plan thing of like what he saw in one opponent versus the other, or if it was just like, uh, Ooh, I've been here before now. Like this, this feels right. Well, I was, I was just about to say, I, I don't want to keep saying, well, it's the, it's the nerves, but there are some nerves to it. Right. Imagine short notice fight in the UFC. It's like, I have to win. It, it doesn't matter how it looks. I have mm-hmm. to win. Right. And now, we do have some people that like Diego Lopez, of course, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't have to win and then you can do whatever, yeah. but like it's in your mind. He looked so much looser again, mm-hmm. or so much more loose against mm-hmm. JP buys it. And to your point, two short notice fights. Now he gets to train for somebody. What does that look like? What does mm-hmm. that look like to have a game plan? Like, Oh yeah, I get to actually focus on somebody and see where like my strengths are and shit. And knowing that, it's not like this guy's a Muay Thai champion across from me and I don't have hands. I have hands. I have power. Am I more well-rounded? I'm sure he's going to go in thinking I have more tools, so how do I utilize them? And then Gaston Bolaños is just going to be like, I'm going to kick your fucking legs out and kick your face off. You know, probably. Yeah. right? That's spinning would, shit. Yeah, spinning shit. <laughs> Multi's got, what, three spinning knockouts, two elbows, one spinning back fist. How <laughs> like fun is that? There's a lot of yeah. like fighters on here that show some spinning stuff on this card, so sorry. Spinning shit on this spinning card. Shit. He's yeah. going to be one of them. 
Yeah, this is, I expect some really fun stand-up exchanges. Now, who knows? You know, it's always these fights where it ends up being like a 15-minute grapple fest. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is bullshit, man. Yeah, but, I mean, smaller cage. Like, this. I'm excited for this one. This is one that... If if you're not going to say potential for fight of the night, definitely potential to have a performance of the night from sure. one of these two. Uh, yeah, and the both of them have eight big shots too. Like, yeah, this this is just going to be fun, violent as yeah. long as it lasts. And once again, at bantamweight, these are two guys that with their skill set, uh, and especially McGee. He, just being as well rounded as he is, you put these skill sets in higher weight classes, they are ranked fighters oh yeah right? oh yeah oh yeah so yeah but it's it's been a weight man <laughs> like sorry mm-hmm. sorry that you guys are in a competitive ass division this is a really good opportunity for them you know if people are clamoring for fights and they're waiting for ufc you're on the prelims of the first ufc card you show up you're in the bantamweight division you know if you could do a good call out i don't think either of them get a top 15 after this fight i mean barring I don't know, late replacement. McGee might have to fight his next fight on short notice too. But <laughs> yeah, again. This is this is gonna be yeah, I, I agree with you. This is this is they're gonna get a bonus. Throw me a freaking bonus. Yeah, bonus. like my mind is blown that neither of those two fights, McGee, Gaston or uh Basharat double impact, uh is is the like that's that blows my mind. You got Andre Orlovsky versus Salasaman as our uh, <laughs> featured prelim, and it's just like ah, like those other two are going to be so. The skill level is going to be high, and nothing against the heavyweight division, but we know like skill wise, it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, but yeah, but I think that's just unfortunate. Uh, you know, for more casual fans, the big guys they they like to see him go, but <laughs> and then. Now we actually have a top 15 <laughs> Bantamweight fighting, and that is Ricky Simone, and he is taking on Mario Batista, who is actually trains out of the MMA lab with Marcus McGee. Yep. And you want to talk about a camp that's got some Bantamweights, Batista, McGee, and I know O'Malley and Tim Welch do their own thing, but O'Malley, O'Malley trains yep. out of M- MMA lab too. Like, Jesus, there are some absolute killers in that camp. And Mario Batista, this is a huge step up for this dude, huge step up. And we have seen some of these other guys on the periphery of the top 15 or the top 10 not be able to take advantage of these opportunities, right? right? I'm thinking of like Adrian Yanez against Rob Font, Chris Gutierrez against Song Yudong. You know, there's some of these guys have had opportunities and have not been able to cash in. And this is... Not an easy matchup for Batista, but it's a fucking shark tank at Bantamweight. So you have to pass these tests. Yeah, and and it's going to be real fun to kind of reference our last fight and even even all the Bantamweight fights and matchups in this. Ricky Simone Bautista, I think, is that step up of these other fights. And you're going to be able to see the difference between like McGee and Gaston and maybe maybe they look great. But then you might see this fight and say, oh, this is what the top 15 looks like is Ricky Simone ranked number 13. But man, Ricky Simone, I no no offense to Bautista. I just think he's better everywhere. I think he's a little bit better everywhere, right? Maybe Bautista hits a little harder, uh, but (sighs) 
Simon's pace is relentless. He's just got a gas mm -hmm. tank. He'll go for takedowns, right? Like, this is going to be a scramble type of thing. He's probably going to get a takedown. But I'm going to use your word again. I love the word pedestrian. Simon's striking looked pedestrian against Yadong. It just looked mm -hmm. not great, right? And it's like, how do you come up? You're coming off that loss. What do you look like? What, mm -hmm. what, what, does, what does that do when someone else is better than you, right? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it gets you even better. And rewatching the B Bautista Blackshear fight, I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. I, I and not and then trying not to be biased. I'm going to be super biased now. But I looked at the stats. I'm like, he he landed fewer strikes. He landed fewer takedowns, and he won. Pretty controversial. Yeah. Um, and I I don't I don't I don't know if Bautista will be able to stop from getting taken down at some point in the fight. So we'll see. Yeah, and and I misspoke earlier. It was because uh, I watched a couple of Blackshear's fights. Uh, it was Blackshear's fight against Batista, where Blackshear was coming off of the okay. the, the twister the week okay, before, yeah. not his fight against Batra. Um, But the that was something too, though. For Batista in that fight was late notice. Yeah, I mean, you know, less than a week's notice. A guy that was literally just in there, so who had the. I mean, fought a week before, right? So he he was feeling it, and you could not go to a more different fighter. He was originally supposed to be fighting Cody Garbrandt in yeah. that fight. So you're thinking like short reach, insane power boxer, you know, versus a guy who's rangy and is going to grapple you, and, and so very different. And I do give Batista credit for doing what needed to be done to win. First round, he wanted to stand with him, you know, and he's, he was getting pieced up a little bit. It was not the fight he was anticipating. Okay. And so then he changed it up rounds two and three. And so you know, made it made it dirty. Uh, Dean Thomas talked about it on on the broadcast is Batista did a great job on every single break from the clinch, landed an elbow, landed, a, you know, a little short shot and that that left an impression on the judges and you can see it in because like you alluded to the statistics show we're all in favor of Blackshear. Yeah. I know. And and that's one that rewatching the fight, it's like I could definitely see you saying Blackshear won. Yeah. And and hundred percent. And I, I got reminded of the fight because I didn't really remember how the fight went. Mm -hmm. And I got reminded I'm like, oh yeah, I remember seeing this and thinking that night of the fight. Like, oh because I was like, damn, Blackshear just showed out, right? Twister mm -hmm. Last you're right, Twister before and a week before comes out, and I'm like, I don't know, but ah, I'm not, I'm not gonna die on that hill. But I just rewatching the fight, I'm like, oh man, I think Blackshear. <laughs> yeah, and it, this is gonna be really interesting too. Just the the matchup we have here because you look at Ricky Simone, look at the the people he's fought. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you you go back, he has fought even taking it way back my man's got a win over marab dwalashwili yeah which is insane to think about yeah yes now granted he was uh losing the fight got marab in a guillotine the bell sounded and when uh he let go of the guillotine marab couldn't stand up he yep. has actually been unconscious for a couple seconds and so they gave the win to ricky simone which marab is still bitter about to this day um but he's been in there with Uriah Faber, Rob Font. I mean, he, taking it back, Ray Borg. Ray Borg. He, I mean, yeah. people don't, might not remember Ray Borg. Ray Borg was... The, it's unfortunate because Ray Borg had to go into one of the dopest 
submissions ever get for Mighty Mouse, and it's just like that's yes. what that's he's on a highlight reel of one of the coolest submissions I've ever seen. You know, yeah, but he was fighting for a title. Yeah, like, exactly. that's the type yeah. of fighter point, that Ray point. Borg yep. was. Yep. Uh, and then there was the hype train that was Jack Shore. Yeah, and Ricky Simone said, "Nah, young man, like this ain't this ain't happening. You can Levels. go up to one." Yeah, I mean he he bodied Jack Shore and showed hurt him badly with the strikes. Um, but showed Jack Shore like, yeah, you can't be cutting all that weight. Like yep. your size ain't gonna matter down here. And Jack Shore fought his next fight at featherweight. Yeah. Which can't wait for Jack Shore to come back either. Yeah. I want to see that guy fight. It's been a while. But the the song fight really showed too power changes everything. Mm-hmm. And and there's not that kind of threat coming back uh in this fight. Granted Batista had that three fight finish streak. He is dangerous. He does hurt people. But not like Song. Yeah. I mean he Song Yudong has probably the best power uh at 135 if you're not going to go O'Malley. Yeah. You know, I mean he just he has insane power and so Simone was hesitant. And he got dropped a couple times. And and that's also what I really want to see here is how does he respond after that? Yeah, because and that, that that's the that is the fun part. I didn't mean to cut you off. That's the fun part just to see like what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Because every time Simone has had those opportunities for the big step ups, he's faltered. Yep. You know, with Uriah Faber. And he was the the hot name, 15 and one. It was supposed to be old man Faber, right? Yep. He was supposed to just get him out of there. Uh, and and got brutalized in under a minute. Yeah, and I mean credit to Uriah Faber being who he is, right? Like he's a legend of the game too. So you're you're not losing to Uriah Faber, and but like you said at that time, it's like we're waiting for Uriah Faber to be consistently old, mm-hmm. and and then you're like you beat this guy and you beat him bad. It's not a good look. It just wasn't a good look for the time. And then he catches Rob Font when Rob Font was on the come up, <sighs> you know. And so now you have two loss. He had two losses in a row. And then he fights Ray Borg, gets the win. And then the biggest name he's had since then was Rafael Sunsau. Yeah. You know, and, and then he gets his opportunity again against Yudong. Doesn't capitalize. Yeah. And so now is that in his head? Yeah. Of, you know, hey, I'm just going to be fighting these fringe guys now because I, I can't get it done. And, and so does that play into it? And he took a beating. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I always want to see how people respond on a beating. But. This is one of those big, like, Batista, are you there? Yep. Are you there? Because Chris Gutierrez, not there. Yanez, not there. The next one that we're going to see is Jonathan Martinez, Mm -hmm. right? But so Batista better get this win because as as nasty as this division is, you have the Javid Basharats, the Farid Basharats, the, you know, Victor Henrys. You have all of these other guys, McGee, Bolaños, all these other guys outside of the top 15, no disrespect, double impact. <laughs> and you're getting your chance. Yeah. Better capitalize. Yeah. When you get your chance like that, because, oh man, this is a fun one. I'm way more excited now thinking about it. Just like <laughs> the implications of, Bautista being like, I can break into the top 15. And then we're going to start the New York year saying this too. Once you're in the top 15, it's it's scary. There's nightmares ahead of you. So, Oh, yeah, because be if, be if he beats Ricky Simone, you are looking at a top 15 that is Chris Gutierrez, Umar Nurmagomedov, who's just begging for fights and no one <laughs> will fight feed him. Feed me anybody. Yeah, Jonathan Martinez, Pedro Munoz, Dominic Cruz, who's somehow still there, uh, Rob Font. Figgy, Yadong, 
Cheeto, Jan, Sanhagen, Cejudo, Marab, Aljo, who will be out of there, uh, and O'Malley. And the interesting thing is he, I mean, Batista has the fight against Sanhagen yep. already. Now, granted, it was Sanhagen's like second or third fight in the UFC. We didn't know who he was at that point. Uh, so that loss is aged a little better. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like that's that's what's coming your way if you get this win. So, ooh, yeah, really, yeah, lot riding on this one 100%. for both guys. Really excited for it. And then we'll actually go down a weight class to our uh, our flyweights, and there are a couple really good flyweight matchups on this one. I'm really excited to see Josh Van. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I'm before you go ahead and break this this guy down. No. I I rewatched the Josh Van versus Borjas, and in my mind, like before I rewatched it, I was like, God, I remember Josh Van beating him up. Not what happened. Not what happened yeah. at all. Like I don't remember. I think I was so impressed by like his skill set and like his mentality that I after after the fight's done, my memory of it was like, man, I'm so impressed with this kid. And then I changed it to like he just really outclassed and outworked this guy. He didn't. It was a dog fight. It was a it was an amazing fight. fight. But he's so young, and I think that's rewatching it. I'm like, God, I don't remember this fight being this close. But then again, I was like, you're so young. You look so good. You look so. I don't know. Like mature for his age, right? Where it's kind of like he just knows that fight was awesome. Uh, he just has good. He's just good takedowns, good scrambles. It's fun to watch. Goes for the body, goes for the leg, you know. But but he was getting tagged. He's got hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that fight is one of the reasons two ninety five was on our list of contenders for yep. event of the year. Yep, because it was an amazing. I think it was the second fight of the night and was just an amazing, amazing fight. You saw Van turn it on in round two. Yes. Right? Round one, he was like kind of, he was letting Borjas dictate. And if you're going to fight a guy that can fight behind the jab, you better not let him walk forward and jab your face off. And, and, <laughs> and, and Van was walking backwards so much. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was almost like in round two of like, oh, wait a second. I can pressure him too. And Immediately. The second he turned that on, it was, I mean, you look at the strike counts. He threw, by he, I mean Van, threw 42 significant strikes in round one, 144 in round two, 114 in round three. And when you look at the breakdown of those round, uh, that that was the fight where he almost broke the record for body shots. I mean, he was going in and just like three hooks in a row to the body uh, in rounds two and three, just beautiful, beautiful work. And oh yeah, he's 22 years old. Yeah, it's so young. This He's is a short notice so fight young. for him too. Second yes, short notice fight of his UFC career. <laughs> that sucks. You know? Yeah. Well, shit. He he was like the original Felipe Dos Santos, right? Yes. Like he was supposed to be fighting on the contender series, and then comes in on short notice and takes the win off of uh, Zuma Gulov, yep. Patty haired Zuma Gulov, yep. by the oh, way, yeah. uh, who was scaring people away, and off to the races. Right at that point, and and just shows such a great skill level. DC talked about he's only been wrestling for like a year at this point, or a year and a half, and it's it doesn't look like it. I know his and his striking game. Everything is a combo. Everything, right? Like he's not just oh overhand right. It is overhand right hook to the body. Like every single thing is thrown in combination, and he's he's got a chin. Yep, Borjas dropped him, you know, and but he is a slow starter. Slow starter, and, and his defense was a little like I said. I just didn't remember the fight correctly at all. Mm-hmm. 
like if I was talking about this fight without rewatching it, I, you'd be like DJ. That's not what happened. I mean, that's how <laughs> that's how like one side of my mind made it. But the the good thing is is that he's young and and like you said, when you're uh, DC's talked about wrestling like you just mentioned, but that's just how talented these people are in flyweight is that mm-hmm. I've been wrestling for a year and I look like I can control wrestlers with, you know, it's, it's this guy, this guy, we're going to talk about it until he, you know, shows some, I don't want to say chinks in his armor. That's so not good to say no more, but <laughs> yeah. show some holes in his game. He might be the future. He's 22. 22 is insane. 22 yeah. is insane. And to be stepping up twice, your UFC debuts, a. A short notice fight and you win. Your third fight in the UFC is a short notice fight. If he wins, I'm we're gonna be champion for Joshua Van. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked to see him. Yeah, no, no, and- no, 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 um, sorry, no disrespect to Felipe, but I mean, you know, Joshua Van just looks that he passes the eyeball test, man. Yeah, and here's a guy. I mean, Felipe's making his his UFC debut yeah, yeah, in this yeah. fight. Yeah. And good on the UFC for like identifying what they have with with Josh Van and not I mean like oh he beat Zuma Gulov and then he you know had like a fight of the night so let's just put him in against you know top 15 or like borderline top 15 guys like no he's 22 like we're gonna let him come along slowly and develop those wrestling skills let him pass the tests along the way because he is a guy that the pieces are there yeah right he he passed the test of Hey, short notice, you're going against a very established guy in Zuma Gulov. And then you are going to go in there against another, you know, young up and comer in Borjas past that test after getting hurt. Yep. Like he he's passing these tests. And it's when you look at his two fights so far in the UFC, um, his first fight, second most significant strikes in a flyweight fight. Oh, yeah, it was a three-rounder. And then in his second fight, uh, I've the I think they revised numbers on the broadcast. They said he broke the record for uh, body, body shots, shots, but I think he actually ended up uh, short. Maybe uh, either way, oh, top two in body shots in a flyweight fight. Yeah. Like just volume. Like I cannot wait to watch this guy uh, every week. A- ab- absolutely, and and to your point, like bringing along slowly. It's like because later on in this card, we're gonna see who we're probably gonna talk about next: Monel Cop versus Mateish Nikolau. And you're going to see the difference, right? You're going to see the difference of why he's 22 years old. Let's bring him on slowly because, I mean, if you want to just jump into it, we could talk yeah. about that fight. It it is yeah. it is going to be like this is this could be a number one contender fight, and no one no one bats an eye at it, right? The, just no one does. Not saying that it would be, but it could be a rematch. Who's grown more, right? Like the the fun thing is is there's this thing about cop where you're like, man, I kind of I'm not not you, me. I want to lean mm-hmm. toward him. But it was a split decision loss. Nikolaou was on a six-fight win streak. But then Brandon Royval said, hold my beer. Let me knee you in the face. And then how do you come off of that, right? You have all of this. all this, And then someone stops you in the first round. What was it, like a minute in? The uh, raw dog? Yeah, raw dog. Just over two minutes. Okay, so, so like you're coming off of that. Cop is on a four-fight win streak, but he just fought... You know, don't get me wrong. He just fought Dos Santos, who was gave given the opportunity of a lifetime, and really, I went into the fight thinking he was going to bully him, and he didn't. Now he clearly won. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no like, oh, he should have lost that fight. But he didn't put him in his place like you would expect 
a top 15 person to do for someone that's getting their opportunity. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. It was a much tougher fight than what Cop was expecting, I think. Uh, yeah, and there was the bad blood with Kai Car France and slurs were were used. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was trying to fight Izzy at the press conference. Like, it was a, a wild Very bizarre. Week. Very bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it was a strange week. Um, but I remember that one. They're, they're dropping F-bombs, him and another guy on the same card. And then, like, Sean Strickland still hadn't fought yet on that card. It's like, are we getting a threefer? Like, <laughs> this is going to be just, the most wild slurred yeah, card this of all times. The most bigoted card in, in history. It's um, <laughs> a funny way to say it, the most bigoted card. And, and and one question before, I didn't mean to cut you off, but one thing is we know Nikolaus has shown that he can get cop on the ground. He did it twice. <laughs> can he do that again can he keep him on the ground who's evolved i think what i'm really excited about this fight is first of all is flyweights and they're just fun and fast who's better who's who's shown that like okay we fought before we know what each other's bring who's evolved more this one you're talking about performances of the knights and stuff this one has to be on the list this one has to be there Oh, yeah. And speaking of has to, uh, y'all have to go over, uh, hit like, subscribe, follow on your podcast listening service of choice. Uh, and then over at X at number one BS pod, because guess what? We got bite picks this week. We will uh, go back to our feature <laughs> featured prelim poll. And with those fight picks, as we alluded to uh, last week, we're going to start a new system of seasons. We will talk more uh, next week after the uh, after our first series of picks about what that's going to mean for payout for what the wagers uh, are going to be on those seasons. But did just want to remind you guys of that. And then going back into this fight, I mean, the doing the research on this one it was really interesting to watch the first fight mm -hmm. it was monel cop's second fight in the ufc and he was coming in where before he had even made his debut in the ufc he was the alternate for figgy moreno because he was the ryzen champion yeah now a little different ryzen you can wear wrestling shoes and cop even talked about it like he felt like he lost some of his power and stuff because he just didn't have the grip his first two fights in the ufc hey welcome to the ufc pantoja <laughs> So rude. <laughs> so yeah. Rude. Yeah. And like, we didn't really know what Pantoja yeah. was at that point, but you know, I mean, they were that high on Mono Cop too. Yeah. And then second one, Mateusz Nikolaou. Yep. And I remember when those two fights happened thinking like, man, Cop just seems hesitant. Mm -hmm. And you see him start to get loose right around the second round of the Nikolaou fight, which is when he starts hurting him. And since then, since those two losses, four-fight win streak, uh, and has looked really, really good. Knocked down his opponent in all four. Obviously, that Felipe Dos Santos fight was much closer yep. than I think a lot of people were anticipating. I do also think part of that is because of the expectation there was people remember it more so i was like oh it was a really close fight. Well, no. Like, Manel Cop clearly won the fight. Clearly. Did he get hurt? Yes. Was it an amazing showing by a 23-year-old who was supposed to be fighting on the Contender Series, making his debut on a pay-per-view card in Australia? Like, yes, yeah. it was an awesome performance. There's a reason it was fight of the night. But it's one of those few fight of the night performances where it's like th there was a very clear-cut winner yeah. here. Uh, and so I think that's also good for Cop, though. We talk about tests a lot on this show, and 
that's a test, yeah. right? Like that's something if you are championship caliber that you show when the fight is harder than what you expect against somebody that you don't, you haven't been preparing for. Do you do what it takes to get the dub? And not only did he do that, he did it in a relatively dominant fashion. Yeah. And and so I don't want that to take away from like expectations of cop because when he is on, he is terrifying. He's so fast. The power is unbelievable. The accuracy, the timing, his step back when people rush and just the step back straight crack is it's a thing of beauty. And we've he's another guy that as I watched more fights of him in the UFC, just got looser. Yeah. He looks more comfortable in there. I don't know. I actually think he probably feels good about the Nicolau fight, the first one, because that was rewatching that. I don't know if Nicolau won. I, I don't, you know, I mean, he clearly won round one, but after that, it was close. He got hurt badly yeah. a, a couple times. And so what has happened since then, now you look at who Nicolau has beat since their fight he was he was fighting raw dog for a num for the next title shot yep. we saw that right raw dog won, got the title shot but since beating cop he beat tim elliott david dvorak matt schnell and he brutalized matt schnell brutalized and so i think also nicolau kind of gets lost in the wash a little bit because i mean what happened to him from roy Val, like he's forever going to be on roy Val highlight yep that was a devastating knockout but man, like this is how much has cops grappling improved? Mm -hmm. Not just the takedown defense, the ability to stand back up. How much has Nicolau's striking improved? Because Nicolau has looked really, really good. He's an orthodox fighter, and he has looked really good against orthodox fighters. Yeah. His lead, his left hook is really, really nice. He hurt Schnell with it multiple times. It did good work against Dvorak. But cops primarily a southpaw. Yeah. And he fought basically all well, Southpaw. Well, Cop is listed as an Orthodox fighter, though. Really? Yeah. They got him listed Orthodox? Yeah. I mean, he fought primarily I'm Southpaw. Just I'm just as surprised yeah. as you. I'm not, I'm not saying that to be like, you, stupid. It's, it's like <laughs> he's listed as Orthodox with mm. Nicolau on Orthodox. UFC stats. Yeah, which is very surprising i just like as you were talking i was kind of looking it up i was like what in the world so yeah i don't know i don't know how get we put shit. that in but you know get your shit together ufc stats <laughs> um because i mean he's fought primarily southpaw in his ufc career yeah. does switch stance and that was the thing too is like early in his career he in the ufc i should say he was not switching stance as much yep and then he started switching stance a, a little bit more as he got more comfortable I, I don't know. I do not know how this is going to play out. And I do think the winner of this is probably next man up. Yeah. And, and honestly, no, cause we got Albazi Moreno. I take that back. There you go. Fair enough. But I, I also, that, that's why I'm saying we wouldn't be surprised if it was a number one kinder fight, but Moreno, cause I'm, I believe in Moreno, you know, yes. Moreno's probably the assassin baby. Yeah, assassin baby. But cop also showed something like he showed, for me, during the press conferences for the Australia card, it was like this new, like, it's like he leveled up his mental, like, I know I'm better, and that might translate where maybe Nicolau has a little bit of doubt, right? When 
he met up against Roy Val. You get knocked out. Maybe that little seed of doubt is the the edge. But like you said, cop might look at him and be like, I didn't lose. You know, like I I got split decision loss, but I didn't lose to you. I know I can beat you. What's now now I'm not on my second UFC fight. I'm on my seventh. Mm-hmm. And it, this one, this one, this is a good one. This is whoever wins this is waiting on the wings for that for that number one contender shot after Moreno gets his. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. Yeah, yeah. already, huh, yeah, Moreno over I Albazi? I am. Okay. Okay, yeah, and looking at the the rankings, because this is, uh, what do we got, number five versus number six here, Nicolau being five, Cop at six. Yeah, the other fight you could make if Cop does win, you could rebook the Kai Car fronts. Please fight, do that. Just I to have that in so there. bad. Yeah. Make that and a number one contender fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and who knows what's going to happen with Pantoja. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he's ready to fight the winner of Moreno Albazi or or if he's not, if Albazi wins, then, you know, winner of this fight versus Albazi for or you could even do winner of this fight versus Moreno, too, because yeah. for, you know, for it's a fight we haven't seen. Yeah. And so if Pantoja is not ready to go, you know, maybe it's a little little four man tournament for yeah. the number one contender. And who's going to complain? You're not going to hear us complain. No, I'm, I'm I watch flyweights all day, every day. And let's just jump to the big guys now. Let's get <laughs> yeah. this rematch for Ankalaya versus Walker and hopefully no illegal strikes. <laughs> but you couldn't really tell. I, I really didn't even remember how that fight went. Looking at it, there's nothing you can take off that first fight that you're like, okay, this is going into it, right? It's, it's just happened mm-hmm. too quickly. I, I was leaning on Ankalaev earlier. I don't know what would change. But a loose, fun Johnny Walker, which he looked he looked like he was back to that Johnny Walker that's like, yes. I'm going to have fun. That's a scary motherfucker, dude. That is yes. not that's not something to play around with. I think I, Uncle I probably has like a, a greater tool set. But when Johnny Walker's having fun, that guy, it's hard to bet against. It's hard to bet it's, against him. It's scary, and I, and I don't want to... You, know, you might look at me crazy for the comparison, but it's almost John Jones esque in in that uh, when he's loose, like he does some really impressive things. It's unpredictable. Rewatching the the four minutes of this fight, the I, I couldn't tell if he was actually hurt by the shot to the body or not, or if he was just fucking with him and yeah. you know was trying to lure him in, or if it was a oh I'm hurt and now he's rushing me so I have to throw something. And but that's the unpredictability that you get with Johnny Walker when he is fighting. It was not the Johnny Walker we saw versus Tiago Santos where he was just like hey I need to get a win I'm gonna fight conservatively and you know it just wasn't a a fun fight to watch. Um, loose Johnny Walker scary scary scary. And for all the talks of him being chinny, I don't know. I don't know if he is because that knee that he ate, I mean, he's on the ground knee flush to the chin. Yeah. I mean, absolutely clean. And he just kind of like looked at him like, what? Like, why did you just do that? And he didn't seem dazed. Now, as things went on, he was kind of blinking it out a little bit, which I get. You just got kneed really hard in the head. Uh, but if you're chinny, you're out. Yeah. And and he wasn't. And, you know, I hate that that doctor did that, uh, which for the record, same doctor that tried to tell Victor Henry he didn't get uh, hit in the dick prior to uh, Victor Henry going backstage and vomiting. Yeah. Because his balls got hit. Like, come on, Doc. Yeah. And I don't. 
that 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 even the way the doctor handled that, I'm just like that. That was an off event, and we talked about it. Like, yeah. if they when they go back, please never let that guy like anywhere. Yeah, in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, don't let him near any of the the fights or whatever. Let him be a a, a fan. Yeah, but look at who Johnny Walker's fought and beat, and I mean lost to as well. I mean, you're losing to Jamal Hill, okay, right? Like we we he might come back and be a champion. We don't know. Yeah, realistically, I mean he's he's champ right. Now. Yeah, but we we with the Achilles injury, you just don't know like how that mm-hmm. power. But he's beaten Ryan Spann. He's beaten Paul Craig. He's beaten Anthony Smith. He's beaten my pick for potential light heavyweight uh, future champ, Khalil Roundtree. It, it, he's no joke. He's no mm. joke. He had that little bit of time when he went to the McGregor camp. What's that camp called? Uh, SBG. Yeah, when they went there, where it's like he, it's like they took away that 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 wildness that that he he's was, he's still fighting out of there. Yeah, but I'm saying when he first went there, there was like mm. that little bit of time where you're like they they took away. It's like they like he wanted to be a technical fighter now, right? And it's like now he's brought back in that maybe I've learned some new skills, but I can still be who I am, and it shows and and. I forgot he was 6'6". Six, six. I mean, he's just... Enormous. Dude, he's just ridiculous. But let me jump off his balls real quick. Ankalaev is no joke. He is such... Like, he, there's nothing flashy about him. He's just good. He's just good yeah. everywhere, right? Like, do you think he can take Johnny Walker down? Yep. Do you think he can knock Johnny Walker out? Yep. Do you think he can impose his will and make Johnny Walker be on the back? Yep. I, I think he can do all those things. It's just... This is a great matchup. This is number one contender for me, dude. Oh yeah, and and that's as shitty as it was how the fight went down the first time. Now we get a number one contender fight as a five rounder, which yes. is always good because the I, we know Ankalaev can do it, yeah. right? We know we know Johnny Walker can. He's headline fight nights, but like if you're prepping somebody to be ready to fight for a title, they need to be fighting a five-rounder as, as their fight before that. It, it only makes sense. And so now we get that. Now, granted, we're in the apex. Yeah. Oh, cage. Small Johnny cage. Walker is enormous. And so that definitely, in my eyes, plays into Ankalaev's hand with the grappling. Sure. And as you said, Ankalaev, no joke. The man has not lost since his UFC debut where he tapped to a triangle with one second left against Paul Craig in a fight that he was winning. Yeah. So, I mean, we had this no contest. We had a draw against Jan, which I still believe Uncle Lai have won. Yeah, but what a weird, it was still a weird fight. That was a weird fight. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think Uncle Lai have won, but it was weird, man. That's... And, and that's one of the things that worries me a little bit for Uncle Lai have, because the one thing that we did get from this you know, brief fight the first time he was trying to check the leg kicks, but Walker was kicking the shit out of his leg already there there. And Walker's lower body is enormous. Dude. I mean, like kicks from that man can't be fun. And this is something that uncle I is going to have to deal with in this division because you're champ or kind of champ or maybe a man who has the belt in Poetan. Some of the nastiest calf kicks in MMA. The na- so, no, no, fuck that. The nastiest. He has. Yeah. The, he doesn't show it, and everyone's like, it's the most painful thing of all times. Yeah. yeah. It's just hard for me to say with uh, what Jonathan Martinez Fair did enough. to Yanez in their Fair last enough. fight. Fair enough. Uh, short Kings. Yeah, Short uh, Kings, baby. Yeah. But and Uncle Iev has the rare opportunity in his last 
four fights. If he loses here, he'll have a win, a draw, a no contest, and a loss oh, damn. <laughs> in his last four. Uh, so that'll be uh, one of you, you know your uh, result bingo there. But gonna be a, just an awesome fight. I want to see how Walker handles the grappling. He was getting Uncle Live had the Dagestani handcuff on him. He was having trouble getting back up. He was on a knee, which is part of why he got kneed in the head. Yep. He, he was not able to stand up yet. And in the smaller cage, is yeah, that, that going to be a problem for that him? That smaller cage thing is, especially this, it's just two big boys, man. Like, yeah, it's a smaller cage for flyweights. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But like, dude, 6'6 six, six and 6'3. Six, this is, they take up space. It's a 40% smaller cage. Yeah. And it's like when you go from the large pizza to the medium pizza, like you're losing a lot of pizza there. And, and you know what? Especially like, because like you take away, sometimes I don't eat the crust of like, I love Papa John's pizza, but I'm like, I don't want the crust. I'm like, dude, I barely ate anything. Did you, know? did you eat a Papa John's pizza every day for a month to check the quality? Yeah, I was, had the meat sweats and everything. Sweating like, like, all, like that racist Papa John himself, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> no, I, I, I think he's actually like, racist. I don't think it. you did this, man. I really don't think you, I don't think you had a, pizza every day but whatever i think you just look real bad yeah just, guys go look up that video it's, <laughs> it's hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> you know honestly i think ufc's coming strong with this card starting off i on paper i don't think this is the like the most exciting card they can bring to us i just feel like i'm so stoked to see a card again and and this this is i i really think going into the main card of this and then seeing johnny walker on live by that time i think we're going to be like like, this is this is going to be a fun way to restart MMA in 2024, or at least UFC in 2024. Yeah, and then we're flowing right into 297 the next week. You shut your lips. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it, yeah, things are, are about to ratchet up and ratchet up quickly. Yes. So excited, man. So yeah, good. yeah, very, very back, excited. Baby. It is. It really, really is. Uh, and then... To take it into our fight announcements, there actually was not a ton over the uh, over the last week or so. One that I'm almost a little disappointed that it was announced. It was added to the fight night in Atlantic City on March 30th. That's the one being headlined by uh, Aaron Blanchfield, Manon Fior, and that is Bruno Silva taking on Chris Weidman. Yeah, I, uh, you already know I'm not the biggest Chris Weidman fan, but I don't know. <sighs> For me, it's like, is this a money thing? Because the same knee that you fucked up is the same knee that Tavares said, ah, I'm just going to fuck you up. You know, I don't I don't understand this decision. But, I mean, Chris Weidman didn't look terrible. He didn't look terrible. He just got the shit chopped out of his leg. Yeah. Yeah, once he came, yes. Now, it took him a little while to loosen up. Yeah. And by then, his leg was dom- was destroyed. Yeah. But there's not the same threat coming from Brad Tavares that he's going to see from Bruno Silva. <laughs> Bruno Silva will shut you off and do it quickly. I know. I mean, and he can eat a shot. Like, what is, I mean, Weidman's path to victory is, is grappling in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has to. But Weidman is somebody, he started his career off 12 and 0. He's 15 and 7. I know. You know, I mean, the, the man's gone 3 and 7 in his last. 10 fights and six of those are knockouts. It's so I just, I don't want to see it. I don't either. And I know 
Bruno Silva's one in four in his last five, but like Pajeda, Mearshart, Brandon Allen, Magomedov is his losses, and then he beat Brad Tavares. It's, I get it. I get why Chris Weidman is going to get this opportunity, but it almost feels taking my bias away from just not really caring for him as a uh, like as a a fighter in 2024. I feel like they're kind of feeding him to the dogs on this one. And, yeah, like you're saying, Bruno Silva, he finds that chin. It's it's going to be a problem. Tavares couldn't really seem to hurt Weidman, and then Weidman actually hurt Tavares. You know, like, it was like, damn, is he really going to stop this fight? And if he would have, magic moment. Yeah. I, I, can, I can almost see Chris Weidman on his back on this fight, and I, I hate – I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that for him, you know? Yeah, Bruno Silva has 20 finishes all knockout <laughs> and you're putting him in there with a guy who's been knocked out six times in his last 10 fights. Oh, man. Like that. It's not good. I, and, and I get it. Weidman being a long Island guy, they're fighting in Jersey, you know, like wanting to be there for that. But I just like right off into the sunset, man, you're, you're a world champ. You dethroned and then defended against the greatest middleweight of all time. Like you had, you've had a very, very good career. This is one of the sad things that you see in MMA. And who knows? He might go out there and get the win because all Silva's losses that have been stoppages have been by submission. And Weidman's still a hell of a grappler. But these are the things where it's like, ah, I don't, I don't need to see Bruno Silva fighting Chris Weidman. Bruno Silva, Chara Bullet, that was awesome. You know, Bruno Silva. Brendan Allen, awesome. I don't need to see him taking off Chris Weidman's head. And, and honestly, like, I know we talked about it, and this is way long ago. I mean, 2015. Since 2015, Chris Weidman's 2-8 and eight in his last 10. But I remember the conversation being like, yeah, he's beating up old Brazilians, Vitor Belfort, Leon Machida, Anderson Silva. And then it was the USADA around the time. It's like he hasn't looked the same since that, right? He just hasn't. Yeah. He, when he got knocked out by Luke Rockhold, it was a mistake. He he tried to do what was like a spinning back kick or something. But then Yo yeah. Romero need his head off, right? And you're not the same after that. I don't care what anybody says. You're not the same after that. Uh, Musasi, when he did that, I think that was when Chris Wyman was saying his hands were touching the ground, right? Yeah, and it's when Gegard pulled him pulled up, him up and like off of the ground and kneed him in the head. Jockeray, yeah. Jockeray. Yeah, you're Come getting on. knocked out by Jockeray. Come on, it's 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 one of those things. I don't want to harp on this anymore. It's a, it's an announcement. I appreciate the announcement. Yeah. I don't need to see this. And if Chris Weidman wins, it might be the worst thing for him. Unfortunately, I hope if he wins that that's what it takes for him to get out of it. Yeah, like, like yeah, that's I what I hope for I just, any just fighter. Did, yeah, I just didn't want to go out, but he's on the Tony Ferguson path right now. It's not a good look. No, yep. no, it's not. Uh, and then we got two other fighters on the other side of their career yep. uh, as the other kind of big announcement. And this one's taking place on the UFC Mexico City that's being headlined uh, by the previously mentioned uh, Brandon Moreno, Amir Al-Bazi. And that's taking place February 24th. And this one is a bantamweight fight. We have the return of Raul Rosas Jr. Uh, taking on pretty Ricky himself, Ricky Tercios. Uh, should, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I don't know how excited I was for... Rosas's return after his loss against C-Rod. Yeah. Where it was like, oh, this this kid looks a little like he should not be here yet. Yeah. And then he put on a, a good performance against uh, Terrence Mitchell. 
right, knocked him out. Like that was power we had not seen yeah. from him. Uh, and then now he's getting another guy that he should be fighting. Yeah. Like, Tercios is a ultimate fighter winner. So like, that's the type of fighter he is. He's not taking on. I mean, if you're getting guys coming through the contender series and I get Rosas came through the contender series, but some of those guys are ready to go yesterday, right? <laughs> like they are already on the precipice of being a top, top talent. And I think weight issues aside, scale issues aside, C-Rod has some unbelievable skills. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm glad that this is the booking that Rosas is getting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a real good fight for him. It's just hard when, when you're 19, it's like every fight you're like, God, is he right? You know, you just have this like thing for it, but he brings eyes to the, to the sport. And you know, if you look around the internet right now, people are saying Tercio is going to murder this kid. So it's like, that's motivation. You know, if I, if I see that, I'm like, that's motivation for me, but I don't know, man. Cool little, little chill announcements this week. Yeah. yeah. And, and that card's just shaping up to be good right now. They have what? One, two, three. They have eight announced fights. Each one has a Mexican fighter in it, yeah. so that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, or sorry, this the Ra, the Raul Rosas fight technically doesn't have a Mexican fighter, but Rosas is from yeah. Mexico, but yeah. he represents the U.S. Uh, but we have, I mean, that card is just going to be fucking awesome. Yasmin uh, Haragi is fighting on there. We have the return of Felipe Dos Santos after that Super performance against Manuel Cobb. Hell yeah, we're finally going to see Edgar Chavez and Daniel Lacerda play out. Yair Ortega on Oof. that one, and then headlined by Moreno Albazi, and they're going to announce more. Um, I would not be surprised if we get, you know, a Daniel Zellhuber mm. on here, if we get a um, Diego Lopez on here, even though he's Brazilian, you know, he fights at a yeah. Lobo gym. Yeah. We're better than you, and we know it. <laughs> um, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, there's this card's just going to be awesome. They always... That usually put on when they when they go to Mexico oh, City. Absolutely. So gonna gonna be a fun one. Uh, and speaking of fun one, it was great having some fights to preview again. No, dude, uh, it's, it's been fun. Anything else on your end? No, sir. All right, as always, appreciate y'all for listening. Love and respect. Later.